0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh coming to you. It's a beautiful day here in Pennsylvania as we record this. However, according to the weather forecast, we will be in North Carolina when this podcast is published. And the weather there is calling for 8 to 12 inches of snow. Now, that's not a big deal if you live in Pennsylvania. It's definitely not a big deal if you live up in Maine, Vermont, even uh, western New York. But for folks in North Carolina, it's a big deal. I have a 26-inch snowblower, but uh, most folks in North Carolina don't even know what a snowblower is. Now, there's some snow throwers. Um, In fact, we have a friend in North Carolina who has a couple of sons. They're his snow throwers. But as far as actually a snow blower, they don't know what that is. So, Lord willing, we'll be at the Living Waters Baptist Church tonight, uh, beginning our week revival. And uh, we'll be there Monday through Friday, as well as the following Sunday at the end of this week. When you hear this recording, uh, we'll be at the Living Waters Baptist Church in Moxville, North Carolina, 7 o'clock each night. We'd love to invite you out. Love to have you for the services. I would also like to acknowledge as I record this, and it's a little bit late as far as the acknowledgement, but uh, had I been a sensitive and caring grandson, which really isn't part of my makeup, uh, then I would have acknowledged this last Thursday on the broadcast. I just want to say happy birthday to my grandmother. My grandma is 100 years old today. It's interesting. Babe Ruth has hit over 500 home runs since my grandmother was born. We did the math one time, and I think we came up with 18 living presidents that she has lived under. But she is 100 today, as you listen to this broadcast. It's a few days late, but January 13th, 1922, my grandmother was born in a little town in Minnesota, and we certainly thank the Lord for her. We thank the Lord for the legacy that she's left, as well as the godly heritage that her and my grandfather left. The reality is, I sit here today a saved man by the good grace of God. I had that godly influence in my life, that Christian heritage in my life. And the reason for that is the last Sunday of 1952, my grandfather walked the aisle of a little church in Yakima, Washington, a World War II veteran, decorated veteran. My grandmother was a World War II nurse that outranked my grandfather, and they had met at the Spokane Army Hospital, were married, had children. One of those was my mother, and my mother would have been two years old on that last Sunday. In 1952, and Grandpa walked the aisle and was gloriously born again by the good grace of God. And I certainly want to thank the Lord for my grandmother. I want to thank the Lord for that heritage that God has given us. As we go into the podcast, we're looking at Psalm 6 again, a Messianic psalm, a psalm of Messiah. And David, the psalmist, is writing here, and we begin to read the psalm according to the Word of God. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed, my soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of thee in the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning all the night, make up my bed to swim, I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. So we see again in verse 1, the word says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me. And so we see two things that the psalmist deals with here concerning the Lord. One, he says, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Psalm 38, which is very much a companion to Psalm 6, he says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Thine arrow stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh, there's those bones again, because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. And so we see the Lord as a companion scripture gives us a little bit more understanding, but there's a slight variance that I want to look at because it's found also in the New Testament. One is the word anger, and he says, rebeak me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. But then in Psalm 38, he says, rebeak me not in thy wrath. And now the word of God deals with that in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. And I want to take a look at that this morning with the Lord's help Ephesians 6 and verse 4 says then ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord Colossians 3 verse 21 says fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged So again here's a companion scripture we know that Colossians is a very dim mirror of Ephesians. So uh, Psalm 38 is a dim mirror of Psalm 6, not dim in the sense of the Word of God, but because there are variances, but also there's so many parallels that run through those scriptures. And one of those, in both places, we see the word anger and the word wrath. And we know what anger is. Anger is a deep-seated emotion. Anger, I believe, is seated in most people. Some learn how to suppress it. Some learn how to hide it. There are people I've known that seemingly have never gotten angry. I had a married man who was in his 80s many, many years ago. He said he had never gotten angry with his wife. And I said, well, thank the Lord for that. That's a man of character. That's a man of excellence of character. That's a man who has diligently sought to not be angry, but rather to love his wife. And so we understand that anger, we understand that wrath is a little bit stronger um, explanation, if you will. Uh, Wrath is a little bit stronger than anger. Wrath is uh, so often accompanied with an action, that wrath is a heated anger. It's when anger comes to the next level, if you will, and all of a sudden now the wrath is coming out. And I know as a father dealing with children, and we'll deal with that, Lord willing, with the Lord's help when it becomes this matter of the chastening of the Lord. But when we see anger coming out in the scripture, and we see that God is a God of anger, God is a God of wrath, yet God is also a God of love and a God of mercy. The Word of God doesn't tell us to not be angry. The Word of God says to be angry and sin not. And so even in parenting, he gives instruction. And one of the hard things that a lot of people have trouble understanding is how do you you discipline children? How do you deal with children? How do you cause your children to not be angry, lest they become discouraged? How do you deal with your children? with, And even in your wrath, that the children can also turn on you in wrath and become wrathful. And by the way, when I've seen a child that has turned against their parents in wrath, I've seen a child that's destroyed themselves. I've seen young people that were wrathful towards their parents and that most of the times, if maybe not 100% of the time, I've never seen them turn out to live spiritually for Jesus Christ. Why? Because when they turn wrathful, when the anger overtakes them, anger overthrows them, and they turn into wrath against the same one that showed wrath to them, it's because he says the word there is provoke. You don't provoke your children to wrath. You don't push them beyond a point where they turn to wrath. You don't push your children onto a point where they turn in anger unless they be discouraged. And to provoke is a willful act. It's a deliberate act. And so if we provoke our children to anger, if we provoke our children to wrath, as a father, we're an unjust father. We're a father that does not love our child like we ought to. We don't care about their soul. We don't care about their well-being. We don't care about uh the things that that mean anything to them. Why? We are provoking them to anger. We are provoking them to wrath. And might I say that word is strong there in the book of Colossians, for he says, provoke not in anger, lest they be discouraged, lest they lose courage, lest they become so calcitrant in their being that they no longer are, are, have that courage to stand, that courage to walk with God, and that courage to stand in the day of adversity, and that courage to go against the world, but they'll lose those things. Why? Because the Father has provoked them to anger. And so we see that with our Father. We see that with our Heavenly Father. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. But He doesn't provoke us to anger. He doesn't provoke us to wrath. Why? Because he's holy, and he knows how to discipline his children. He knows how to to help his children. He knows how to rebuke his children. He also knows how to instruct his children. He knows how to correct his children, and he knows how to do it where we don't become angry and where we don't turn in wrath. Why? Because he's a holy God. And God deals well with his children, and we ought to learn lessons as God deals with us, so we ought to learn those lessons in dealing with our children, lest they also become discouraged in the way. I say that as a father of almost four years, and some would say, well, what kind of experience do you have? Well, let me just say I had children later on in life, but for years before I had children, I was in ministry. I was in children's ministries. I ran in the bus ministry for almost eight years, was a bus captain. I was the assistant bus director. I've taught children in Sunday school classes. I would preach in the junior church. I interacted with children. I dealt with children, always under the instruction of the church and under the discipline of the church and under the authority of the church. But I'd deal in children's ministries, working with children, and I'd watch as parents would provoke their children. I'd watch children get on the church bus, angry with us that they had to be there, wrathful because they had to be there. I'd watch church children in Sunday school and in junior church, just bitter because they had to be in the house of. God. Bitter because they had to be in junior church. Bitter because they had to be in Sunday school. And by the way, every one of those children, when they became of age where they could stand against their parents, they'd move out of the house, they'd turn against their parents, they'd harden their hearts. Why? Because somewhere they were provoked to wrath. And somewhere they were provoked into that, that heated understanding inside of them that they despise the things of God and despise what God's trying to do. And they use that as an affront against their parents. And so often, I think in ministry, we overlook a lot of the problems people have with their children is because of the parents. I know it's easy to blame the children, but I know in my own children's lives, and I do have two children now, and Lord willing, in April, have a third child. And even today, part of the reason I'm recording this later in the day than usual is because of my children. And I had time with my children. It wasn't a dis uh, displeasure to me today. It wasn't an affront to me today, but I had to deal with my children. I had to interact with my children. We played together. We worked on projects together. We had discipline together. Uh, it's part of being a parent today. But I learned lessons from my children. I watched my children. I don't want them to be wrathful. I don't want them to be angry because of discipline. I don't want them to turn in wrath against their parents because of us provoking them. Rather, I want to nurture them in the admonition of God and the admonition of Jesus Christ. And the word of God tells us in this, he says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What is that nurture and admonition? Well, it's the example that the psalmist is telling us in these two companion psalms, when he deals with the wrath of God, he deals with the anger of God. He talks about the chastening of the Lord. That is the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Lord does not provoke us to wrath. The Lord does not provoke us to anger. What the Lord does, the Lord gives us a law. And the Lord expects us to obey that law. And the Lord expects us to obey him. Why? Because he's our heavenly father. And so that is the expectation. Anything that falls short of that expectation, we are deserving of the discipline that God doles out. We're deserving of wrath. We're deserving of his anger. We're deserving of his chastening. We're deserving oftentimes of his scourging upon us. Yet he's a God of mercy. And when he administers mercy, we ought not take advantage of that. But we ought to embrace that mercy and know that God was good to us. And there's times in my life that I've even said, Lord, I can't believe you haven't killed me. And I'm not being funny about There is a sin unto death. I do not say that you should pray for it, but there is a sin unto death. And I don't know what that sin unto death is, but I certainly, there's times I've gotten so distant from God and so cold on God and disobeyed God. And I've said, Lord, I don't know how in your wrath you haven't killed me, but yet God has chastened, God has scourged, and God has drawn me closer to him through that discipline. One of the great victories as a parent is when I discipline the children And they come and they love me greater than before I disciplined because I know that the discipline has been effective. I know the discipline has had an impact on them. I know that the discipline has been administered correctly. They're not wrathful. They're not angry, but rather they've drawn closer to me. And as the psalmist is writing here in the person of Jesus Christ, and he's asking the Lord concerning these things, he says, Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger. Lord, I know you're angry. I've been made sin for you that knew no sin. But Lord, rebuke me not in that anger. And then he says, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. And can I say, I don't mind chastening because it's for my benefit. Despise not thou the chastening. Listen, I don't despise the correcting of God. I don't despise the chastening of God. But I don't necessarily want the chastening of God. But I certainly don't want the chastening of God in his hot displeasure. I don't want to anger God with my sin. I don't want to anger God with my rebellion, my hardness of heart, that God has to chase me in his hot displeasure, lest he wound me, lest he make me sore. Lest he put a mark upon me that will show a scar to the day I die, but yet he's a holy God. And if he scars me, he does it well. If he marks me, he does it well. If he puts something upon me greater than what I think I'm deserving of, you better rest assured he's right and I'm wrong every time. And can I say, as a parent, taking this lesson back to parenthood, I'd also like to say of myself that that's something that God has done for me. That every time I discipline my children, it's for their benefit, not out of my frustration, not out of my anger, but it's for their benefit. And they can look back and they can see the scars, they can see the hurt, they can see the pain, they can remember those things done to them and know that it was for their benefit and know that it profited them to come under that chastening hand. Rebuke me not in that anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Tomorrow, if you download the podcast, we're going to deal with the chastening of the Lord. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church. 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption for all nine. See yeah. you. Yeah.